Welcome back to the show, everyone. It's Dina Calmetti here and Susan Davis with Jesus 24-7. And today we're going to talk about or actually continue the intimacy with God, part three. Susan, welcome back to the show. Thank you so much. And I'm so happy to be here talking about this topic because, wow, this is the creme de la creme of topics. Would you not agree, Dina? Absolutely. And so we'll just do a quickie review of what we did in the last video. And we talked about the difference between water and fire baptism. We talked about being in the will of the Father. We talked about creating an environment of intimacy to bring intimacy with God into your life and to bring God closer to you. And so he's close to you. It's just you are maybe not close to him. (laughs) So he's always near. So we want you to, uh, we implore you to go back to see part two. But it's okay if you're just joining us for the first time because this stuff is is all important. And so you don't have to watch it in any order. Just go ahead and uh, watch this, this part three and then go back to part two and part one. It's all good. So we're going to pick up where we left off in part two and we're going to talk about this next program that is on intimacy with God, which I have done a few retreats on this topic. And now I'm happy to say that we're able to bring this to YouTube. So I'm very excited about this, by the way. But as we spoke of before, it's important to create an environment for intimacy with God. And it's important for you. It's important for your relationship with the Lord. And so part of that is demonstrating faith, even if there is no evidence that God is near. And so another point is always operate from the standpoint that God is there, because God is omnipresent. And the Bible says, where can we go from his spirit? If we go up to the mountains or go to the pits of hell, he's there. So God is always right there. People are like, well, is God a far-off God? I mean, there's so many people that believe, even in Christianity, that God is a father that does not get involved with his children, that he's a far-off God that has, you know, cares very little for his people. Oh, no, no. He's in the details. Oh, he's in the details. (laughs) Exactly. He is much closer than you think. And even... It's it's a truth. And even when, you know, you're praying or you're reading your Bible and you're just not feeling him, you're not feeling it, that does not mean that he's not there. There have been times where I've had, you know, emotional, you know, drawn out prayers. and, And then there were moments where I had simple prayers and that's when he showed up. Exactly. So it's, yeah, he's always near. He's always near. And I've had a lot of people say, well, that's okay for you, Susan. You seem to have a lot of, you know, supernatural things going on around you, but I don't feel anything. And I want to just say to people (laughs) that I didn't hear from God for a very long time. And I was reading about him and, you know, all of that. And to be honest with you, because I was not around a group of people who were enjoying typically supernatural encounters, I really just didn't think God spoke to people. And when he started to talk to me, I was like, wow, I was completely unprepared for that idea because I really didn't think I would ever hear from God. I just thought it was always a one, you know, one way communication. So imagine my surprise when God shows up. And he wants to talk to us. Exactly, exactly. And he has a plan for our life. I mean, he created us, and he didn't just create us out from random chance. He literally has a blueprint for our (laughs) life. Yes, he does. And he knows where he wants to take us. And I always use this example, Dina, and I think it's a good one. 
it's when a little child is in their backyard and they're playing on a swing set and dad comes out the door and he goes, hey, let's go to the amusement park. And the child is like, no, I like the swing set. And, you know, the father is trying to get the child to go to the amusement park for the day and <laughs> refuses to get off the swing set. And that is the way the Christians are. They're on a swing set in their backyard and they refuse to move forward to other things because they're set in their ways and they don't want to move out of, of those ways. But God's got greater things for them. If they would just lay their life down and, you know, as we've said in the past, let God be God. Amen. Yeah, he's got incredible, exciting things planned for you. Yeah, and he's going to open things up for you once you give him permission to come in your life in a big way. Get ready. Stand back. It's amazing what might happen. But to begin with, we must operate from the standpoint from faith. And I believe faith really activates things. We've got to have faith first before we have the evidence of faith. And so that's really key. Believing that God is real and he's out there and he's for you. Reading his word. And so moving to the next slide, uh, in creating an environment for intimacy with God, we've talked about reading your Bible is essential and we also want to pray for the Holy Spirit to guide you through his words. The only thought that counts in the word of God is, the, is God's original thought. You know, the scripture talks about it. It says in 1 Corinthians 2.11, For what man knoweth the things of a man, save the spirit of man which is in him? Even so, the things of God knoweth no man but the spirit of God. Basically, it's just a common sense thing. It's like any book that is written is not going to be understood more than from the mind of the author of the book. And the same is for the Bible. If we want to know what that book means, we have to go right to the source. And we have to get right in there and pray that the Lord himself would reveal the understanding and the meaning of that word. And, you know, here's another thing, Dina. People need to pray that... They will not be led into false understanding of the book, right? That's very true. Yes. Yes. You want to make sure that you have the uh, discernment. Yeah, and I'm talking about that band, Twisted Scripture. Have you ever heard about that group? (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yes. (laughs) We want to avoid that. We (laughs) We want all the truth, everything that God has. And so we'll take a look at this next scripture is 1 Corinthians 2.13, which things also we speak not in the words which man's wisdom teacheth, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth comparing spiritual things with spiritual. Now, we've talked about this in other YouTubes that we've done and videos where we demonstrate that a spiritual thing is the gifts of the Spirit, The gifts of the Spirit are tongues, interpretation of tongues, healing, works of wonder, words of wisdom, prophecy, dreams, and visions. And these things are called spiritual things in the Bible. And a couple of those together make a confirmation, and the confirmation leads to revelation. And so you can go back and review some of our other videos on that, but... Basically, we look at Acts 10, 10 through 12, and it's talking about Peter. And he became very hungry, would have eaten, but while they made ready, he fell into a trance and saw heaven opened and a certain vessel descending upon him as it had been a great sheet knit at the four corners and let down to earth. And wherein were all the manner of four-footed beasts of the earth and wild beasts and creeping things and fowls of the air. And so while Peter thought on the vision, the Spirit said unto him, Behold, three men seek thee. It says in 20, Arise therefore and get thee down and go with them, doubting nothing, for I have sent them. Then Peter went down to the men which were sent unto him from Cornelius and said, Behold, I am he whom ye seek. What is the cause wherefore ye come? 
So we're looking at what happened here is Peter is experiencing how the Holy Spirit teaches by comparing a spiritual thing to a spiritual that we read in 1 Corinthians. And this demonstration of how the Holy Spirit teaches Peter, first he has a vision and he sees the food of the Gentiles. And three times he does not want any part in it. <laughs> or Well, actually, the third time he comes around. Peter was after, a little stubborn. Yes, that is our Peter. That's, that's, that's the stubborn side of Peter. But God has his way with Peter and he convinces him that he can eat these foods. And then very next thing that happens is an angel goes to Cornelius, the Gentile, and, and says, call for uh, Peter. And Peter goes and he preaches to this group and he leads them into the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And just like in Acts where the tongues of fire come down, these, these Gentiles, they start speaking in tongues and prophesying. And Peter is amazed because here he is, a, a Jew in a, in a Gentile home, and the Holy Spirit showing up. And so if we look at this next slide, we see that Peter's comparing a spiritual thing to a spiritual thing equal revelation. And the revelation which was the original thought of God in the scripture is for Peter to take the gospel to the Gentiles. And this is where we get to celebrate, you know, if we could get the fireworks going and everything, we could celebrate because that's when God is bringing the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ into the whole world. Amen. And so that's a very exciting moment. And Peter is right there on the cusp of it. Okay. And, so this happens all the time today even this form of teaching because i don't know how many times i'll read something in the scripture and then god will bring somebody else to me to talk about the very same scripture that day <laughs> yes he does that <laughs> without their knowledge that i had even been studying that scripture and this happens to me frequently I was involved in a situation where I was helping a family and I talked to the pastor of this uh, area that this family was in and he basically gave me the scripture that, to not grow weary of helping others. And, um, you know, I was excited because he gave me that scripture. It, it was applied to what was happening. And do you know that that very same day, I went to my email and my daily devotion was that same identical scripture. Praise God. And so this sort of thing happens frequently to me, but it is exactly how the Holy Spirit teaches by comparing a spiritual thing to a spiritual thing. And so as you move closer to the Lord, you will begin to see how God is, you know, trying to teach you through this method. And so uh, this isn't just for us here on the show or Peter. It's for all Christians. But you got to move in to the Lord in a close, intimate way. And then you begin to see how he works. So let's take a look at our next slide in creating an environment of intimacy. We want to pray for God to manifest to you to build your faith. Okay, this is a little different than what I said before. I said we must move in faith even though there's no evidence that God is near us. So that is what we do. We do that peace. And then we can also pray for God to manifest to us to build our faith. So we can pray for spiritual gifts, such as gifts of healing, visions, dreams, and receiving other languages, interpretations, prophecy, which is hearing God's voice. Although God speaks to us in many ways besides prophecy, he speaks to us through other people. He speaks to us through the scripture that we read. That's why we need to stay in the Bible. And there's just a lot of ways uh, that God compares a spiritual thing to a spiritual and communicates with us. And so basically what this whole presentation about, in a way, is being sensitive to the Holy Spirit and being able to pick up on the communications of God that he's, you know, having with you. And if something amazing happens in your life, I think, Dina, you've talked about 
where you were talking about thinking about a certain flower. You were asking the Lord about his favorite flower. And then that night, these flowers come. Yes, I took a walk. Remember that? Yes, I was taking a walk and talking to God. And I Mm -hmm. asked him, I said, God, so what's your favorite flowers? And I told him what mine were. I told Mm -hmm. him that, you know, I liked yellow roses. And there was another flower. I cannot remember the name of it, but it smells really good. (laughs) And I'll have it there on the screen. And I came home and a couple hours later, my husband came home with the exact same flowers that I was talking to God about. Well, and see, my point exactly in this is that was no coincidence. That was a move of God. And so as we get closer to the Lord, we're going to pick up on these things and we're going to realize there is no such a thing as coincidence in the world of God. He is purposeful and he's in the details and you're going to be able to sense these things as you begin to get closer to the Lord. And what is the opposite of that? The opposite of that is this whole concept of fate or luck that is coming from Satan. Satan is the one, you know, about luck and luck does not exist. No, evil does and evil endings do. But, you know, God is a God of purpose and he has a direction he wants to move you in. And it's really important that we see it from that perspective and be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. So we're going to open up to a new area in this teaching that's a really, really big one. And it's about how to deal with sin. And so here it is. Uh, Sin cannot be dealt with through a lukewarm faith. And we see this over and over in lukewarm churches. People who are involved in sin, they get together and over and over and over, Dina, they meet up and... They have meetings and they pray about sin and week after week they come back and they struggle in those sins. And so we're going to talk about this very thing. So only by closeness to God, knowing him, can sin be dealt with. So naturally, if you're lukewarm in a lukewarm church and you're operating lukewarm with God, sin is going to plague you and you're not going to be able to conquer it. Because you cannot conquer sin in your own power. You cannot. And how are you going to get the power in your life? You have to get it through that supernatural relationship that you have with the Lord. You can't have that in a lukewarm. Because God, he is an all or nothing God. You're either in or you're out. It's like a coach who's uh, operating a, a team. And he's got players that are sort of, they don't care. They're just there. They show up, but they really don't care. And he goes and he gives them, you know, he coaches them and says, look, you're either on the team or you're off the team, but you're not just going to mess around. And that's the same thing here. You're either on the team or you're off the team, but you're not just going to mess around because it's not going to work for you. So intimacy is essential to the conquering of sin strongholds. You cannot conquer sin apart from intimacy with God. It is by the knowing of God, through intimacy with God, and by the submission to God, and by the power of the Holy Spirit, that the sinner wants to stop sinning. Amen. Okay? So this is a really significant, important thing. If if you don't know God and his ways through his word and getting to know him in an intimate way, then this is what the Lord had showed me. We can't follow what we don't cherish. Okay? I love that. And if we don't cherish God and his ways and his holiness, then there's no hope for us to really desire to stop sinning. Amen. And I have a little testimony to give about that because I myself, I would go to the Lord and I would say, you know, I think this concept of holiness is great. I would literally (laughs) say this to him. Okay, I'm I'm coming clean. I'm telling the truth. I would go to him and I say, I think it's great that uh, there's such a thing as holiness, but I don't see myself ever 
being able to conquer sin. I don't see I don't see that happening at all. I don't even see how that would be possible. But I was always praying, and I'll tell you what I prayed. I prayed scripture, which, by the way, if anybody's never heard that before, praying scripture is very powerful. Have you ever heard that, Dina? Yes, I have. Well, I can tell you the scripture I prayed on this one. I would pray, those who hunger and thirst for righteousness will be filled. Amen. And so I would pray that to him all the time. I would say it to him. I would say, those who hunger and thirst for righteousness will be filled. And I want to tell you that one day, this happened for me in my living room, okay? (laughs) I know, I was always talking about our living room. But, uh, okay, well, the word living, maybe that has something to do with it. There you go. uh, I remember it like it was yesterday. I was praying that very prayer I don't understand about sin and the and idea of holiness. I don't get that. But the Bible says that God says, be holy because I'm holy, right? Mm-hmm. And so here's what happened. The Lord downloaded some amazing truth to me, and this is what he showed me right there in my living room. He showed me that... Basically, God is the source of all truth and holiness. Why? Because he's never sinned. He's never failed. He's never he, anything but perfect and righteous, true, judge, everything. Total truth. He's not even messed up a little. Do you see what I'm saying? He's 100% on the mark. Perfect. Perfect. And how important it is that he has that he is who he is and what he stands for because in this life we have very little of truth left would you not agree absolutely i completely agree yeah truth is diminishing in this world because it's becoming darker and darker and more evil it's what isaiah 520 says what they call good will be evil, and evil will be good. Exactly. They're twisting the truth. And then hell will be a place of zero truth. There will be no truth. There will be no goodness of God. It will be completely deplete of that, completely. And I realize that God himself is like a compass. And so if you're in a forest and you're lost, and you have a reliable compass, Dina, with mm-hmm. a needle that all you know reliably will always point north no matter what, then you can literally get yourself out of that forest with that compass. You see what I'm saying? And I realized then that as long as we have God, who is completely reliable, always perfect, always holiness, holy, as an example of holiness, that we have the ability to pursue that. And It just bowled me over because I realized we should want to pursue these things because we won't have it if we end up in hell and very little of it is here. It's a a rare commodity. And all of a sudden, holiness went shot up in my mind like, wow, you know, I began to really cherish it. And so because of that, it makes you want to pursue it that much more because it's a rare commodity. And I think that is the thing. We have to get to know God as a loving father and not a tormentor. That would be the enemy. And when we fall in love with the Lord and we go to reach for that sin button, you know, which is so easy to go for, we pull back not because we're disciplined so much, but because we love Jesus and we don't want to hurt the one we love. You know what this reminds me of? Joseph, who ran from, uh, I forget her name. I'll have the scripture up. He ran away from her because he didn't want to Uh hurt God. It's, you see, the Lord put that on your heart because that is absolutely the perfect scripture for this point. Oh, because, look at that. Look at God. Yeah. 
Oh, no, this is, you brought up a beautiful scripture of 33,000 verses in the Bible. You have <laughs> pulled up the right one, which is no accident, because that is a most one of the most powerful things, because here he is, uh, she's the temptress, right? Mm-hmm. And she's trying to pull him into an affair with her to cheat on his own boss, basically, right? Yes, yes. And who he works for. And who has entrusted him with all kinds of, uh, you know, trust. But here's the thing. He turns and he goes, how can I sin against my God? And that tells a lot to us about Joseph and his character, who, by the way, is a form and type of Jesus in the Bible. And he truly, truly loves God. And you see it in that point and that is a very amazing point and pursuing holiness almost makes people look like they're weak but really when men and women pursue holiness and pursue truth through the power of the holy spirit it's really a point of strength because the world says follow us and god says no follow me amen calls for us to be set apart unto him and this is this is exactly the character of joseph that's a great scripture that you've mentioned well glory be to god because it had to have come from him (laughs) (laughs) yeah he's part of all this so. (laughs) so intimacy with god has no shortcuts as the lukewarm believe it is an all or nothing proposition So we want to pursue God at all costs and no compromises. And so this is exactly what I was saying before. That's what the lukewarm church is about. They want to compromise. In fact, here's one of the ways they do it. They look for ways to remember the band Twisted Scripture. They they use that. I think it's sister. Isn't it Twisted Sister? They use that twisted scripture, (laughs) they pervert scripture in order to support their warped uh, compromises to truth. And this is happening all the time. And that's why we need the word of God. We need the Holy Spirit baptism and the power of the Holy Spirit to lead us to all truth. And so instead of And the Bible talks about having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. And so here's what that means. That means like, you know, saying you're a Christian. So you're having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. They don't want the power. They want to play Christian, but they don't really want to be Christian. They don't really want to be Christian through the power of the Holy Spirit. And the Bible says you got to walk away from those people. You have to get away from them. So if you're in a church that you suspect is lukewarm, and but you think, oh, you can, you can think either I can change them or I like these people, but the Bible says, the Lord says, get away from them. Get away from them. Run like and Joseph. Run like Joseph. <laughs> <laughs> even, even if they've got your cloak, you've got to keep running. <laughs> But um, on the next slide, we're going to take a look here. It says, God wants a bride set apart from the culture. And so you must choose. Are you Lot's wife or Christ's wife? Okay? You've got to make this choice, and you need to make it quickly. Because the culture or the world is winding down, and we know that the Lord is returning soon. But not just that. We're in birth pains right now. And as a world in birth pains, there's all sorts of things going on. And you don't want to be caught apart from God in an evil world. It, would, it is not a good look. And so the culture runs counter to the way of God. It's like those salmon swimming upstream. That's what we are going to look like when we pursue the Lord. We're going to be running against the culture. But... You must come out of her, away from the influence of the culture, which does not embrace Christ. And so if you want to embrace Christ, you've got to get away from the culture. The Bible says you can't eat at the table with demons and God both. It just is not going to, 
it's not going to fly. Be like Daniel. Daniel, yes, who Daniel. would not eat the sacrificed food for the idols that the king set before him. He would not, uh, he, he changed that. He, you know, he went and ate food that wasn't sacrificed to idols. It's the same thing with us to turn away from the things of the world that sacrificed to the enemy. Exactly. Exactly. And that's another powerful section of the Bible. I definitely recommend people read the book of Daniel. There's a part in there where it says the moment uh, that Daniel turned his heart to God was the moment that the Lord turned his ear to Daniel. Amen. And it's an amazing scripture. And that's the same for all of us. That's the same for every one of us. So when you move in close to the Lord by submitting to him, it will be both a joyful process and a painful process. And so God will ask you to do things that are painful, to give up old habits, old views, old ways. But in the end, having a right standing with God will bring joy, refreshment, relief, comfort, restoration, true and satisfying reliable, trustworthy love, well-being, wholeness, mental stability, and peace. Wow, that's a big trade-off, Dina. Yeah, we need all those things. Oh, we do. We do. (laughs) And listen, I'm telling you, um, one of the great things of moving in close to the Lord is mental stability and wholeness and well-being. Sound mind. Right. Right. People who operate apart from an intimate relationship with the Lord, the nominal Christians, lukewarm, whatever you want to call them, they are double-minded, right? Because one minute they're with the world, the next they're thinking Christianity. And double-minded people are unstable in all their ways, the Bible says. That's right. And so the mental health world tends to want to give classifications to people who are unstable and double-minded, but we know the truth. The truth is, bottom line, these people need the Lord, and they need him in a bad way. And so God is immediately going to move into action to bring you stability. And so there's nothing better than having a right standing with God and, and knowing that you're in a right place with the Lord. There's, there's no peace like that. Right, Dina? No, there is no peace like that. There, I remember a time in my life where I used to live in Hawaii when my dad was still alive, right before he died. And I remember, and this was right after my divorce, and I had not returned to the Lord yet. And I remember feeling completely and totally empty with no peace, as if, as if walking into a empty house with no furniture. (laughs) That's the only way I could describe it. That's how I felt. But once he saved me and delivered me, I was so full of, he restored me. He restored me. He fed me with his love. He truly fed me with his love. I felt peace, that peace that surpasses all understanding that Jesus talks about. But I could only have had it with him. But I remember that that feeling before him and now after him. Boy. And I I truly believe that God will allow people to have the sensation of not being at peace in order to bring them to himself. Yeah, Uh, sometimes he'll make... Yeah. No, sometimes he'll make you hit rock bottom. Oh, yeah. He's a loving God, and he will not let you continue to think all is well. Uh, as long as you're apart from him. No, he won't. (laughs) Especially if you have people praying for you. If you've got someone praying for you, (laughs) watch out. Watch (laughs) out, watch out. I always, you know, I say this on my Facebook a lot. I'll say, uh, you guys need to surrender now because your grandma's praying for you. (laughs) That's right. That's right. I mean, I know. Just just give it up now. Yeah, yeah. 
Let's go to the next important scripture. It says, Matthew 7, 21, 23, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of the heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father, which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name, and in thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works, and then will I profess unto them, I never knew you depart from me ye that work iniquity and so this is i mean it was for me a very troubling scripture and so i had talked to the lord about the scripture and so we're going to talk about this and break it down a bit let's take a look at this in the next slide we we see this important scripture many will say to me in that day lord lord have we not prophesied in thy name and in thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works. So the Lord is talking to the lukewarm church here in this scripture. Uh, Laodicea, to be specific, in the seven letters that Jesus writes to the churches in Revelation, in chapter uh, 3, okay? Mm -hmm. So this group, Laodicea, the lukewarm, which is a big group, this is, the lukewarm church is the biggest church in, you know, the uh, it, the Protestant faith right now going, okay? Massive church of the lukewarm. And how this is written is fascinating because it says they're, they're prophesying in his name, they're casting out devils in his name, and they've done many wonderful works. And I know many lukewarm churches where they're not even doing this, okay? <laughs> <laughs> but this is interesting because you cannot prophesy, you cannot cast out demons, and you cannot do wonderful works apart from the Holy Spirit. So look at that. They have a measure of the Holy Spirit, Dina. They have a measure of the Holy Spirit. I see that, so, yes. So in Matthew 25, we're talking about the 10 virgins, the 10 bridemaids. Those bridemaids are, this is the ones with the partially filled lamp. So they got a little oil, and the oil represents the Holy Spirit here. They've got a little oil. They've got enough oil that they're doing some amazing things. And so, you know, it's impossible to do these works, and the next slide we see it is impossible to cast out devils, prophesy, work wonders without a measure of the Holy Spirit. And still these people are told to depart from Christ. That's scary. Wow. That should make your knees knock. You know what I'm saying? That should really make you tremble. But then we go on to the next slide, and we see Matthew 723 and then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you that work iniquity. So new in the Bible signifies intimacy. Okay? And so how do I know that? Because the Lord showed that to me one day. I literally went to him and said, look, this is very troubling. Who can make the cut here? This is like, wow, I, I'm serious. I really got real with the Lord. And I said, this is this is very upsetting what I'm reading here. And so he took me on a teaching of the word new. And he took me to Genesis and showed me that Adam knew Eve, it says. And then he took me over to the New Testament. And Mary was told by the angel that she would carry the baby Jesus. And she said, but I've never known a man. Okay. And then there's another teaching in the Bible where we see Judah, and he knows his daughter-in-law. And so what is the significance of the word new is intimacy. And so Jesus is virtually saying, see, we've done these teachings before where the translation of the original word is translated out over time. And so if we were to take a look at this, it would say, and then will I profess unto them, I never was intimate with you. I was never spiritually intimate to you. We were not close. You never called me. We didn't know each other well. And so depart from me, ye that work iniquity. And so new in the Bible signifies intimacy. And boy, that is a frightening thing because there's a whole lot of ministry people out there running big churches, uh, running their game, 
and they do not know the God of the ministry that they're working for. And that is a very dangerous place to be. That is so true. And why? Why so dangerous? Because when you face God and you think you've dedicated your life to him, but you didn't never know him intimately, that's worse than if you're cold, right? The Bible yeah. says. Yeah, because the lukewarm, he's going to spew you, vomit you, spit you out of his mouth. Exactly. And it's a very dangerous thing to handle the things of the Lord trivially with trivality. <laughs> That's because, true, yeah. Wow. I mean, God is the ruler of the universe. And if we are trivial about him, that's not going to be a good place to go. And he will he will cast them away when they see him. And what a shock. What a shock to so many of these Christians that are lukewarm and die in a condition of lukewarmness. And they face God and he tells them to depart from him. I can't even imagine what that would be like. I don't want to imagine. No, I couldn't, I, even, I couldn't even, I couldn't even picture it. And so we really need to think of this through and be clear about it. Again, so Matthew seven twenty one that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father, which is in heaven. So that's the key, is surrendering our own will over to the will of the Father, which I had said before, previously, that Jesus didn't even operate in his own will. Because he says when he's praying in the garden before he's crucified, he asks for God the Father to take this cup from him because as being God, he knows what's coming. And then he says, nevertheless, uh, not my will, but thine. And he goes forward to be crucified. And there's another section of the Bible where Jesus says that he doesn't come in his own will, but he who sent him. And so we know that Jesus doesn't just operate in his own will. He operates in the will of the Father. And so we need to surrender to the will of the Father because even Jesus was operating in that will. And so that's pretty important stuff. And we need to get a hold of these ideas and get serious about them. Amen. Amen. So important, especially right now. I mean, you know, it's, his return is imminent. Right. And to go along with that, let's take a look at this next scripture. 1 John 2.17 says, And the world passeth away, and the lust thereof. But he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. Praise God. And so there are only two wills. The will we are born into, which is the devil's will, and God's will. And we can be reborn into by the salvation and blood ransom provided to us by Christ's work on the cross. He did the work, and so we can receive all the benefits of that work if we choose for it. But we've got to make that choice. And so until we choose to move into the will of God by making a full commitment to Christ as our Lord and Master, and surrendering our will and future plans to Christ, we are in the will of the devil working against the kingdom of God. So all these lukewarm Christians out there who have not made that surrender, have not moved into the will of the Father, are working against the kingdom of God, even as they think they're working for God. How do you like that, Dina? That's incredible. So while we are outside of the will of the Father and in the will of the devil, our own will, we are operating in the curse of the bloodline of Adam and Eve from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. In Genesis 2.17, it says, But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat of it. For in that day thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. And so they brought death onto the whole world, which is a very serious thing. And so we know what evil looks like, but the knowledge of good from the same tree equals all the good done by evil men who are not surrendered to the will of the Father, who are, are doing good works and saying, we can do good and we don't need God. This is evil. So anybody who has not surrendered to the will of the Father which was bought for us through the salvation and crucifixion of Jesus Christ, acknowledging that is operating in their own good, which is evil, apart from the will of the Father. 
That's right. Which is fantastic when people, when this opens up for them, they're like, wow, I didn't know I was doing this. Okay. It's easy to do. It's easy to fall into. We're human. I did this for years. (laughs) Me too. Wow. (laughs) So in Ezekiel 33, 13, it says, when I shall say to the righteous that he shall surely live if he trusts to his own righteousness or his own will, the will of the devil and commit iniquity, all his righteousnesses shall not be remembered. But for his iniquity that he hath committed, he shall die for it. So there it is right there in scripture that when you're in your own righteousness, apart from the righteousness of God, it's iniquity. Whatever you've done, whatever you think you've done, whether you've raised a lot of money for some great cause, it will never be remembered. Imagine that. I mean, you go to hell and none of your good works on earth will, re- will even be remembered. Wow. You know, these scriptures are really opening eyes. I mean, I've read them before, but um, they're definitely even eye-opening for me today. Well, this is fantastic. And so we're going to the next uh, slide that says, Fear is the beginning of understanding. So serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. We're going to touch on this, although we've done a whole video on fear of the Lord. And I strongly recommend that you go check that out because it's a very significant video. And so fear is the understand the beginning of understanding. Second Chronicles 19.9 says, and he charged them saying, thus shall ye do in the fear of the Lord faithfully and with a perfect heart. So this is amazing scripture that with Fear of the Lord comes a perfect heart. So if you're able to understand and comprehend God is to be respected, hallowed, and feared, then you move into a heart of perfection. Isn't that great? That's (laughs) awesome. He's so awesome. And it's right here in the scripture. Okay. And so Isaiah 11, 2 says, and the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon them the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and fear of the Lord. This is Jesus that Isaiah is talking about. He foretold about the Messiah. And look at this. He said, the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. The spirit of wisdom and understanding, counsel and might, uh, knowledge. And wow, look at that fear of the Lord. Wow. Praise so, God. again, if Jesus had that Holy Spirit fear, we need that too. We need it badly. We need it so bad. <laughs> so, okay, so, again, there are two types of fear of God, and that's the fear of the wrath of God leading to respect of God because he's a judge and he owns your next breath. So, the second one is fear of the loss of love of God which means separation from God currently and eternally. So if you're outside of the will of the Father, you're not operating in this will, then you even now are, the Bible, the scripture says, you are even perishing now. And so... That's a scary thought. Oh, it is. You're in a very dangerous place. So we need to abide in the vine. That's where our lifeblood is. And not just physically although it can really help you physically (laughs) or we're talking spiritually something about being right with god spiritually that can even change things for us physically that's so true that's so true i mean i i've seen people who got right with the Lord, really moved in close and intimate way who were delivered from headaches migraines and all kinds of horrible things that were plaguing them and, and delivered from, you know, difficult physical circumstances, but also were given the ability to those circumstances in a better way. So we need God, and, and we need him full, right, Dina? <laughs> That's right. That's right. When we come under God's will, choosing to surrender fully to Christ, making him Lord and Master, then we come under God's watch, and we become responsibility like a child trusting a parent to lead him 
So we are on that singular road, the, the narrow road, which is God's will, the few find. So the narrow road is literally Jesus and God's will. And being in the will of Jesus and in covenant with him. And so that is, in fact, the narrow road. And it, this is amazing. We've got to get locked into that narrow road. And we can't be, you know, running to the left or the right. We've got to stay right in the center of it. Amen. And so I'm very excited about this teaching because I know that it's all about bringing life to the individual. It's bringing them out of darkness into light. And so I hope that people will go back to our one and two and look for part four because we're going to continue on talking about this all-important topic intimacy with god yes yes look for uh part four in the near future and i could talk about intimacy with god continuously because it's an amazing (laughs) topic and there's so much for the church to learn and for individuals to learn about having an intimate relationship with him Right. And I want to just say something to our listeners that you don't have to do these videos in order. You can listen to them out of order, but we want you to listen to all of them because we have some important points that you want to pick up. And so that would be my request is that you just listen to them, even if they're out of order. And I would also request that you share them. If you know you think would benefit from this information please just share with other people yeah. uh, we're we're pretty busy doing these videos for you guys and we don't really have a lot of time spend a lot of time promoting them but we really do, uh, hope that you would utilize them yourself and share them with other people that you care about yes yes and i'll also make sure to um when we have the audio version on um, Anchor, on Apple, on Google, on Spotify. I'll make sure to include those links as soon as they're um, created. I'll make sure to include them underneath this video. So you can also share that too. If you're know if you not able to watch it, then you can listen to it. Right, in your car or wherever you're going. Yeah, if you go for, a, yeah, go for a walk or a run Walking. or whatever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, Susan, I want to... Thank you for coming on the show again and um, helping us learn about this very important topic, intimacy with God. And um, I want to thank all the listeners for tuning in. And it really does mean a lot to me, you guys, and to Susan as well, that you guys sit here and you listen and and we, we really do look forward, I do look forward to your comments. I love to hear what you guys think or if you have any questions or if you need prayer. I just love hearing from you. And so um, please do, you know, leave your comments below this video. And thank you, everybody, for watching. Susan, did you want to add anything else? No, I'm just very grateful to Dina for her hard work and uh, for the listeners for showing up and we don't care if you eat snacks while you listen. Yeah, <laughs> we don't care. But uh, thank you, everybody. And we will talk to you soon.